The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Back to the short game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two very cool Thanksgiving y co hosts Laura Nash and your number one turkey, Shane Kelly. And uh, we are recording this the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, so, this is our attempt to get something in your feed on this holiday week when everyone is traveling and everyone is busy and everyone is cooking turkeys and everything. Um, so this is going to be a little bit of a different format for us. Uh, we're going to be talking about the things that we're thankful for this year in gaming. Uh, this is also going to be a bit of a different format for me because with the holiday, I'm going to try to do very little editing on this. We're going to stick this pretty much out as is. So if you hear any weirdness, uh, listener, that is just what we sound like. That's just the stuff that I usually cut out. Godspeed listener. It's chaos over here. Mm hmm. Um, so since we're gathered here today around our virtual Thanksgiving table, uh, I'll carve the turkey. Shane, you can, you can dish out the pie. What are we thankful for in, uh, in games in 2022? Uh, this year, probably one of the biggest surprises for me in games and one that I am definitely thankful for. This is a bit of a collection of things, but it falls under one heading. Um, this is the year that all of the gaming handhelds that were getting like held up and delayed. And, you know, we never thought would see the light of day all shipped to me specifically. I got them all. And that's something that I was very thankful for. Um, and I, uh, so the, the, the ones I'm specifically talking about, you know, we've talked a lot about on this show, the play date, um, came out this year. It was in the works since something like 2018. I forget the, the specifics, but I was kind of not expecting that thing to ship. You know, they kept having random delays involving things like the batteries going bad in transit or other weird stuff happening. They had to change what SOC they were using, a bunch of other changes and things getting shipped back and forth to Malaysia on pallets on ships that had to get through, you know, um, canals blocked up with giant freighters and everyone was getting COVID and it just had innumerable delays on the poor play date. It's um, just such a weird object to exist too. Like it, it feels like it comes from a alternate timeline uh, of gaming handhelds. It, it has this um, kind of indie aesthetic, but it's also um, fairly premium priced at like $180. And it, you know, you can have it in any color you want as long as it is neon yellow. I was going to say the most important thing about it is it's yellow and I'm not kidding. I honestly think the yellowness is what makes me love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is it is a really unique gadget. So and I I have to say I will I will check myself out of this discussion because they still haven't sent me mine. Bastards. I ordered mine minutes. <laughs> minutes after I did. Literally after you minutes. guys did. How long have you had it? Months. Months and months. Yeah, like over half a year at this point, I'm pretty sure. 
That's weird, Shane. That's weird. I don't know what's going on with the Playdate shipping situation then. Uh, I I love mine, and I still recommend it to people. But yeah, the shipping situation is kind of tough on the Playdate. So I'd say this one kind of half counts because the other two um, are are a little bit uh, looser. Um, So this was also the year that the Steam Deck uh, launched. And uh, when they first announced the thing, you know, they said it would be out this year, but I did not believe them. And I certainly didn't believe I would be getting mine on time. They were announced in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, I mean, we're still in the middle of the pandemic, let's be honest, but you know what I mean? Um, And the the supply chain issues were really in full force. And I just thought like Valve, they've shipped hardware before, but they've never shipped this kind of hardware before. And these things are going to be like stuck on boats these things are gonna you know they're gonna have all sorts of issues um and their fulfillment has been (laughs) incredible actually on the steam deck they got them to people on time they are now just straight up in stock we're like here before there was a good long period before christmas where you could have just put in an order and you know waited some amount of processing time and just get one before christmas which i would never have believed I just saw someone um, in the year of our Lord, 2022, post photos of a PlayStation 4 in stock at Walmart, and people on the internet were reacting as though they had a photo of a previously thought extinct animal. Uh, This is a, the PlayStation 4, uh, sorry, 5, where I'm I was about to say, I'm pretty sure losing my numbers here anywhere and get a four these days playstation the five, five being in stock yeah the five being in stock was met with great fanfare and there was like one of them on a shelf at, at a walmart and it just it just blows my mind that i i have a steam deck in my hands uh right now like it's it's kind of crazy um yeah the, 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 the only current, reason the I generation don't... of consoles are not new they came out last year and they're still hard to get yeah, the only reason that I have not ordered a Steam Deck is because I have been getting hardware all year and I never get to buy any because I live in a tiny New York apartment. So I've this year acquired the Xbox, the Miu Mini, and the Playdate. And two of those are tiny, but they're also kind of like buying other consoles. It's like, is this the year I have four new consoles under my life? No, I will wait on the Steam Deck maybe till at least... March or April, so I feel a little better about my consumption habits. But like, I'm seeing you all with the Steam Deck, and I'm very jealous. Uh, it would make my life easier. I did just get an Xbox in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They they are very they're serving very different purposes in my life. But like, I totally feel that. It, it, but the uh, the other handheld that I was not expecting to receive this year, and that I suppose I am very thankful for. Um, is the analog pocket. Uh, these got a ton. So, I mean, I think a, a lot of folks who listen to the show probably are familiar with the analog pocket, but just very briefly, if folks aren't, since I think this might be the first time I've really talked about it on the show, um, the analog top pocket is an FPGA-based handheld for mostly Game Boy and Game Boy Advance, um, but it has a open FPGA system. So like you can load cores onto it for other systems as well. So you can run like SNES stuff on it now, although for quite a long time, that wasn't the case. I'm a little mixed on the analog pocket to be perfectly honest, but the, the thankful part here is that I put in my order for the analog pocket over one year ago 
And I, uh, and they are not one of those companies that's like, hey, here's your pre-order. We'll charge you when it ships. No, they sat on my money for a full year. And this is not a cheap device. Um, and I was starting to like, I went through several phases where I was like, Hmm, I should really just cancel that order. I'm never going to get this thing. And if I do, I wouldn't end up using it. It's not even all that cool, whatever. Psh, I never wanted it anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, go through an, you know, another round, like a little more news about new developments for its software and whatever would trickle out. And I say, well, I, you know, maybe I'll sit on that order. I guess I'll wait and see. Um, and then one day, surprise, I got a shipping notification. I wasn't even expecting it. I was definitely not expecting it before the end of the year. It came in like two weeks ago for me. Um, and it also just happened to come in at the time when I have, um, I had a pre-order for a, uh, so you know, there's these uh, companies that are doing a lot of uh, like reissues of classic games on cartridge now. So like you can, you know, buy a, a brand new cartridge from like retro bit or, you know, limited mm-hmm. run games for like, you know, here's a copy of battle toads and it's in a, you know, it's in a fancy new box or whatever. Um, and those really aren't, aren't that interesting to me. Like, I don't really get the point of like buying a brand new copy of a game that already existed on cartridge back in the day, especially if the price on the new cartridge isn't like way cheaper than, you know, going on eBay and buying one of the original ones or whatever. It it doesn't really like tick the collector mark in my brain, but this one somehow did. Um, there was a, a reissue of a game called Avenging Spirit uh, for Game oh, Boy. Oh, that is a good one. Mm. Yeah. Avenging Spirit has a special place in my heart because you know, we've talked about on the show before that like my first Game Boy experience was downloading a Game Boy emulator on the 486s or 386s yeah. at my, uh, my middle school. <laughs> <clears throat> and the the one of two games that I vividly remember playing, I don't know how I ended up with this particular game. I think it literally might have been because it was the first alphabetically on a list of Game Boy games on a ROM site at the time was Avenging Spirit. Um, and, and, and it's a game that's actually like really, really good. It's this like Jalico platformer. The premise is like you play as this guy whose girlfriend gets murdered by the mob and you become this incredibly adorable, like, no, sorry, your girlfriend gets kidnapped by the mob and you get murdered and you turn into this incredibly adorable little Casper, the friendly ghost guy. Um, but you can only exist outside of a human body for, a you know, impossibly short amount of time because this is a video game you have to hop between bodies and each time you do the like you get the powers of the different body that you are are uh, you know possessing so you but it's all very whimsical so like there's boxing kangaroos and there's women who do like crazy kicks and there's mobsters and there's robots and there's like giant frogmen and wizards and stuff and you're trying to like hop from body to body uh, using their various different powers to collect a bunch of keys and then I guess go fight the mob boss and free your girlfriend. I haven't gotten far enough uh, to do that, but it's an incredible game. I have all this nostalgia for it from playing it when I was a kid, even though it's kind of a rare game and very expensive on real cartridge. So I was excited to pick up a uh, uh, like a you know a reissue of this thing that Retrobit put out, and it's a nice cartridge. And uh, worked perfectly in the uh, in the analog pocket, and happened to come in the mail the exact same day, which was absolute serendipity for me. Reagan, 
have you thought about maybe maybe taking a different approach to get a more authentic experience um, for your Avenging Spirit gameplay? You could pick up like an old compact desk pro uh, like we originally had in La Escuela Rice <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yes. and maybe delete a few system files at random just for good measure. Uh, load up a good old NES emulator uh, or I mean a Game Boy emulator and and, and have that same introductory gaming experience all over again preferably while a smoking orange is walking around the screen or a llama is pooping or or the sheep Uh, the little death death accessory type guys yeah that was a big deal then we all loved those man where did that go little desk accessory critters probably in the malware drawer (laughs) yeah yeah Actually, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, you maybe you would would or would not be surprised. There is a a really good category for uh, desk pets or desktop pets um, on itch.io. Oh, really? And yeah, I mean, maybe that would be a fun, uh, (laughs) a fun side quest episode here uh, for us to compare them. I I downloaded one that I really loved uh, that was basically the goose from Untitled Goose Game (gasps) and would run around your desk and like grab your mouse cursor and like oh that's awesome Mm -hmm. it even has a um it has a a, a, there's a there's a feature that it has to to drag memes onto your screen or little text (laughs) windows and you can you can customize what memes it does this with there's like a folder of images you can you can get into so i i gotta recommend this one maybe i can find a link to include in the show notes uh, but yeah, the, the desktop goose <laughs> that you can find on, on itch.io. Uh, that's awesome. And yeah, no, I, I I thought that the desktop pet was was gone to the dustbin of history, but I'm glad to see that someone's keeping the pets alive. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the overall like thankful, returning to the theme of thankfulness, um, I am very thankful that this year, all of those hardware projects that I was not expecting to actually get into my hands actually got into my hands and more so i'm very thankful that they all turned out well like i was a little i was i was expecting good things but a little skeptical about the play date um it turned out to be pretty much what i was expecting which is like a a really fun little device that i don't play every day but i do still really enjoy the steam deck revolutionized my life i absolutely love it it has become my favorite way to play video games in like almost all situations um and then even the analog pocket which i had started thinking was a mistake to buy um you know showed up totally serendipitously with this great game and i've had a wonderful time playing it and uh, i definitely don't regret it i i you know i still think there's some issues with that device um but the price is pretty reasonable considering what you're getting and especially now that they've opened it up for for software development there's some interesting things happening there and um i don't know i kind of like it so a really good year for gaming hardware even in a year where no major gaming hardware launched so i'm thankful for it I like how the thing you're thankful for is, uh, you know, commerce successfully <laughs> conducted. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, I could I could start this with some saccharine thing about like I'm thankful that my my third child was born. I am, guys. Of course, I am. This is a gaming podcast. You don't want to hear you, about that. You you said it's making me happy in the world of gaming in the past year. Exactly. And honestly, you. your child being born has not been conducive to your gaming, so you don't have to mention it. In fact, he is the enemy of all gaming. So. <laughs> He's he's like the world's worst Tamagotchi. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, guys, yeah. the the thing that, I, you know, when we had a delay just before we started recording and it was a blowout. I was, I was oh. cleaning, uh, cleaning a blowout. So, yeah. Wonderful. Exactly. Yeah, you're all welcome for that. I just wanted to make sure that was in your heads. Laura, <laughs> any thoughts? <laughs> well, I... Uh, was going to say I have no I, thoughts on your child, but I <laughs> I do have thoughts on what I was going to say, which was I went um, to Seattle to visit friends I used to live with, and um, not to rub it in Reagan, but you know, hanging out with other childless adults <laughs> in, in person, person, and we played a co-op board game. What? Um, yes, and we also got to like go to bed and wake up in the morning and finish it. And it was still there because there was no <laughs> children to mess with it. So like God. just rubbing it in. Sorry. I especially don't know, want to know what time you all slept into. Oh, 11. I don't God know. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but so I am really excited because I have not been playing board games as much because I don't have a lot of friends in my city, like physical, and those I do aren't interested in board games. Like mm-hmm. I can't make them change their lifestyle. Um, hey, New but, York City listeners, uh, hit up Laura. Yes, please. Um, but we got to play. This was going to a friend who you go in the basement and they just have like the wall of board games on the wall. Um, and you get to say like, oh, I'm in this mood. And I was like, like, what do you want? And I was like, I want co-op. And Justin's like, I want a cool theme. And they immediately grabbed Spirit Island. Um, I have played this one and it is great. It is great. Spirit Island is a co-op game where you are deities protecting an island from colonizers. Oh, and cool. you are charged with just fucking their shit up so they don't colonize your, your group. It's been a while since I played it, but I remember it had um, very cool pieces. The just oh, the art style is cool, and I I, I remember it had um, just a, a a really neat board. You like assemble the board right out mm-hmm. of different parts. Yeah, it's random. Yeah, very cool. Random parts sizes up to the amount of t- players you have. Um, but what's really cool is that you are cooperating against a very difficult force like yeah it's a hard game it's a very hard game um you are going to be it is like it is pandemic but you are in that like land and expand mode but it's people and it feels so much worse because they're taking out your huts they're taking out your they're destroying your forests they're landing in your rivers and you're just like no my beautiful paradise get out of here um the theme is fantastic and it was great because we hadn't played with these friends for a really long time and we hadn't played this game before so we were able to talk strategy, be like, I'm going to play a psychic person. Like it, it felt like going back to the D and D game where you had to like the first time when I inexplicably played D and D first time, played a bard, terrible decision because bards need to know what they're doing because <laughs> it's all buffs. And so this felt like the same kind of thing where I was like, hi, I have these powers. Let's all work together. Um, smart people in an overwhelming situation like that's what i want from a co-op game i don't want my co-op games too easy and i want them to like when you win you feel morally righteous which is amazing like have you there are very few games where you win as a co-op and you're like 
Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's that's like a total win for theming. That is that is a theme that like the moment you said that, I was like, that sounds awesome. I would love to haunt some colonizers off my island or whatever. That's awesome. A hundred percent. And every time you do anything, you just feel really powerful. And then of course they strike back and you're like, oh no, it's still hard. Like you get to do the right thing. Um you are working together with other gods to ruin the day of the colonizers because that is what the game wants you to do. And almost every game is the other way around. So it's just really cool. Um, I hadn't played a co-op game um, other than like a pandemic or something like that I'd played a lot. So I forgot how brain breaking it is to have a new co-op game where you're still figuring out the rules and it feels yeah. hard oh, yeah. and it feels like unfair but it feels like you could beat it if you just figured it out and like that feeling is one i want to keep and find another substitute even if i can't force my friends in new york to play board games with me mm. that's always a fool's errand isn't it it is because spirit island is like it's not a game I would bring home to my family at Christmas. It's a game that I would play with people who like board games, who are mm-hmm. going to go with me on this journey, who are going to really try to get into the – like it's not as crunchy as a Puerto Rico, but there's a lot of bits and there's a lot of things to try and there's a lot of tactics. Like I, you you need to know your audience here. But if this is for – like if you've been looking for a co-op game, this is it. And I it's made me excited to find other ways to – game with others in a non-competitive manner because i'm kind of like i wouldn't say i'm over competitive games right now but i am increasingly in social situations where competitive games are not the right fit Mm. well laura you are living in the only city that i ever lived in where i was able to find a regular and really good and compelling games club like a games meetup group i was walking down my street and i saw a like game thing and it was like game design club or whatever and i got really excited and then i was it was definitely for children oh <laughs> and it was like a board game meetup thing where g- kids played board games in the afternoon and then they made their own at in like the Yay. after school program and i was like that's great for the children where is mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my experience here is like over 10 years old, so I don't even know if the group that I was a, a part of even exists anymore and in, in in all likelihood it doesn't or may have changed forms, but but New York City had some good options there. When I was living there, I was a part of a games meetup. It was literally on meetup.com was where they mainly organized. I don't even know if that's still where people go for this sort of thing, but um what was really cool about it was that they did it multiple nights a week, but the night of the week that I would go, they were renting an under like a basement room um, from a wargaming group. So there was oh. a wargaming group that was even bigger and more uh, more weird than our board gaming group um, that had rented a basement room that was like a big area where they had like all these like wargaming, you know, those sort of wargaming where they have those like tables that have like lots of little models. Yeah, and- someone in high school took me on a date to one of those stores and I was like, this must not be a date. I must be wrong. And then later on in the night, they tried to kiss me and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and they were like, Let me we're kiss on a you date. At the games workshop. And I was like, no, we're not. You took me to a war games room. I assumed you were just shopping. Like, I thought you were just running errands. Oh, man. <laughs> and we had a big fight. Um, that didn't work out. Um, oh, that, that's 
You know, you know, what it's if, hard out there for us nerds. <laughs> what if we kissed at the games workshop? <laughs> oh, well, Lord. here's the thing. Like, had I been included in the war games activities, like maybe I would have continued. Like, if it doesn't work on me, who the heck is that working on? Yeah, he was. He wasn't even like. He wasn't war- that far off the wheelhouse. He just had to include me. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with like Warhammer. Um, I'm not a Warhammer. It nerd. was a Warhammer. It was a Warhammer thing, I think. Uh, but like he wasn't even trying to include you like, hey, let's build you a, an army, baby. No, it was like, hi, I'm here. Like, look at this table. This is the cool things. I'm going to talk to the shopkeeper. I'm going to buy some stuff. And I was like, OK, cool. We're just running errands now. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, this was this was more like historical wargaming where they'd have like armies of like little French dudes in special hats. You know, that kind oh, of thing. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. Um, but um, like it was what was cool about it was like this was an established place. They had like. You know, they, like it was this it was this like gaming focused space, and it was every week. And um, there were at least a half a dozen game designers in the group, so at least one game a night would be like people um, whipping out a game that they were just designed and wanted to play test. Um, but uh, it was also just like people really cared about the games, and it was easy to get into and out of games because it was a large enough group and. You know, people would bring in their their like takeout food and you'd stay all evening. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm sure things like that exist and they're worth doing. Like I know you're like a you're like a um, uh, like a trivia night person. Uh, mm-hmm. Think about think about adding a board game night uh, at one of the, at a board gaming uh, group to your rotation. It's a real good way to kill some time. I think that would be lovely. Shade, how about you? I also really want to talk about a multiplayer co-op game i i think the thing i'll say i'm thankful for really here is the uh the steam deck uh like you you were saying you earlier, reagan yeah i'm saying i'm gonna copy you it's because we're twins um so i'm i'm basically saying like this is a game that for me fit into a really perfect little spot um on on that steam deck that has been really changing how i play games and uh, the game i want to talk about is called unrailed uh, has anybody here? It's really it's a couple of years old, and it, it mm-hmm. has now hit a lot of different things, and started going on sale a lot. One of the things I love about Steam is things go on sale a lot, and so I picked up Unrailed for free, trying it out on one of the free weekends, and then immediately after that, I found it was like five bucks on sale. I think it is fun, still five bucks, which would be five dollars well spent for anybody who wants to pick it up. Uh, Unrailed is a uh train building game ah. um that is kind of a couch co-op multiplayer game um or you can play it online it actually has really good online with uh what i found to be really good matchmaking uh and what you do is you and your friends together are building a train track that goes across an endless procedurally generated world that is uh, really kind of narrow and long and it's just kind of scrolling slowly for you. When I saw this, I mean, it, it has a kind of a Minecraft element to it because it's a voxel-based kind of diorama look. Um, and you, st- the, the way it works, I would compare the controls to something like Overcooked. It, and mm. in that, it works really well, I think, as a kind of a party game or like a very a basic pickup and play because you can get by in this game with just the uh, kind of direction stick and the a button, right? You, and what you're doing is you're picking up the different tools 
and then going and using them. So in front of the train, uh, you're going to be laying down tracks. You lose the game if the train gets to the end of the tracks. So you have to constantly be building more tracks in front of the train. And in order to build tracks for the train and to make room for the train to keep moving, you're out in front of it uh, using a pickaxe to carve up mountains and get iron and an axe to chop down trees and get wood, uh, which you take back to the train, which has a like a hopper that you're putting things into to, to, you know, generate your your tracks. Um, And it it really is a funny game, like a lot of these kinds of games that have this co-op multiplayer element. I would compare it maybe also to Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, which we covered on the show. you know, it has a, a a lot of personality. You you get to choose a little character to play as, uh, and uh, the goal is to get basically just to the next station. Every few hundred meters, there's another station, and you have to build the track to that station and and get to it. And um, when you get to each station, you get to do upgrades to your train. And this is where that I I really found a lot of joy in the game because. Uh, you have to really cut a path and, and sometimes it's a really tricky, chaotic situation because, you know, maybe somebody leaves the axe in a really weird, awkward place. You can actually completely uh, screw yourself over by leaving the axe way off on the left side of the screen and it scrolls oh, no. off and it's just permanently gone. Um, so you have to you have to be taken care of it. when you get to these stations, um, you've you, you get um, uh, these little bolts that you can invest in new or upgraded carts for your train. And those include some basic things like maybe a second hopper to drop materials in. And then there's just some oddball weird ones like uh, one of my ultimately became my favorite is a ghost cart uh, that the whole the whole point of it is basically you can walk through it because a big chunk of the game, uh, a big chunk of the challenge of the game is around um making sure that you don't get stuck because it is this kind of chunky uh, tile-based design and you're cutting these paths through these mountains uh, and forests and you can very easily kind of screw yourself over by not making enough room. And sometimes there are simply just places where you, it's just going to be a really tight squeeze and uh, the ghost uh, car really helps with that. But there's a lot of different cars that you can add to the train, and some of them do really cool stuff like automatically mine stuff around the train or whatever. And then as you get to the different um, – uh, as you get to these different stations, uh, you can also upgrade your engine, which sends you to a different biome. And there's these multiple levels of biome in the game that get progressively weirder. You end up at the very end in outer space uh, doing like a space train. And – uh, I have just really found this to be a really satisfying game to play. Like that, even even playing it online with random strangers has been really fun. And that's not something I would say about any of the games that I compared it to. Like Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, I do not think I would ever play that with someone uh, that I wasn't in the same room with. Mm-hmm. Um, Overcooked, absolutely, absolutely not. no way, no way, I, I, no way, no way. You should only play that with someone with whom you would like to have a divorce. I, oh. I agree. I I had a genuine we, fight with my wife. We played that <laughs> playing overcooked. We played overcooked for so long continuously that we forgot to eat like both lunch and dinner, and then we were just like angry and hungry at each other. 
and we were oh, like, "That sounds awful." <laughs> no, we had so much fun playing it. We were just so intensely into the game, like we forgot to take care of ourselves, and then we were incapable of playing the game because we hadn't eaten, and it was yep. not good. Don't so play the- that one hangry. <laughs> no, <laughs> this one this one works in that context, and I've played it with I played it with some friends. Uh, you know, shout out to my my dude Robert, uh, and I played it with weirdos online and I've actually put a lot of time into this game uh, playing it with random people on the internet and uh, part of it is just that the goal the objective to this game is so clear and straightforward and what you're doing is really um, like everybody is looking you know so far in front of the train and seeing like what the upcoming obstacles and and challenges are and and so you're you're working together on that. And people just naturally pick up different jobs because there's a limited number of tools and people are picking up these random tools, you know, and there's the, the tools I think at the outset are, uh, I mentioned the pickaxe and the axe, and there's also a water bucket because you have to keep water in the water tank on the train. Um, and uh, there are a lot of ways to upgrade stuff as you go, as I mentioned. So uh, like, but I never found myself like really like hating the person that I was on like online matched up with, but the game does offer you like really good ways. Yeah. I I did have a couple of times where someone was like completely doing nothing and I just kicked him out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also has for those online games, uh, a pretty good little emoji wheel that has some pretty comprehensive options on it so that you can say like hey more track more track or cut down trees cut down trees you know with just some basic symbols uh so that kind of interaction in an online game always works well for me if if you have that online real person there's something added by having it be a real person uh but you can also just sort of chat with them and if you want to play this by yourself by the way uh you can play it with a uh, little wind-up robot who perfectly responds to your emoji wheel requests. So if you say, "Make g- chop down trees, chop down trees, that robot is going to go and do it. And you can even give him waypoints and things like that to tell him exactly what to do. So I- I've been really pleased by how polished the game is. Uh, I've put a ton of time into it. Uh, I keep bugging Reagan to play it. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately- every time you bring it up, I, you, you bring it up when I am either... Uh, exhausted <laughs> yeah or uh or when is I that not true though reagan well, that's very true <laughs> like like i understand you've got a brand new baby in the house you yeah. are you, you that's why i keep asking because one of these times you're gonna have you're gonna be well, well rested i have just, just eaten, bought it and well there you go <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad that this works i i if if any of the listeners especially are on our discord want to want to get together and play this uh, I think it would be really fun to do on a discord call with four people. You can play with up to four. Um, and um, you know, the, the, the online experience for the game, even if you're not playing it with friends, I think is good. So that, that is not something. Yeah, I would maybe if uh, I'm going to try to get this, this edited and out the door as quickly as possible for folks to have for their holiday weekend. So if you, uh, if you're hearing this mm-hmm. and you're, you know, hate your relatives, maybe hit Shane up. This would be a good one to play with those same relatives, I would say. So this even is simple enough. Them? Even if you hate, maybe maybe even especially if you hate them, uh, <laughs> because you can you can probably mess them up in very subtle ways once you get them into the game. That is to say. Um, so yeah, that that one's it's available on Steam. Uh, I think it's also on 
basically every other console because this is a 2020 game. It's on PC, PS4, and Xbox One is what I'm seeing. Um, so I played it on the Steam Deck, and for me, it was a perfect Steam Deck game. So I wanted to loop back around to something that I was thankful for in this year. Um, and it, it's something that's that's kind of shifted for me over the course of 2022. Um, so at the beginning of 2022, we had talked a little bit about uh, Game Pass because obviously it wasn't new for this year. It, you know, it's been a Microsoft strategy and thing for a while, but um, it felt to me like this was the year that it started to click for me. I well, what game is it, pass? Reagan? Don't leave me in suspense. <laughs> what Game Pass? Like I'm talking about Game Pass. Oh, okay. Thank um, you, thank you, Reagan. Right. So, like, but specifically, like, this is the year that like Game Pass started to really click for me. Um, I I played a few games on Game Pass because I had a subscription last year, but um, this this year I uh, I we like an absolute ton of um of games that we uh, that we covered for the show were Game Pass games. Um, and it seemed to me that like Game Pass was like absolutely hitting uh, like gr- with knocking it out of the park with narrative games this year. Incredible stuff like Citizen Sleeper and Frog Detective. All three games are on Game Pass. The new one just launched um, the Dodgeball Academia, which we talked about earlier this year, was on <laughs> Game Pass. Um, I believe Game Pass just got Vampire Survivor. Which, oh yeah, Vampire that's Survivor. Cement is on Game Pass. Speaking of games that are eating up my time on the Steam Deck, that Vampire Survivor is just one hell of a game. Uh, we talked about Tunic. Tunic was on Game Pass. God, Tunic came out this year. It's so good. Yeah. Um, just in, in I, I'm not even thinking of all of them, but like a lot of the games, a whole lot of the games that we've talked about on the show this year have been on Game Pass, and I think it's because they've been doing a really good job of picking stuff, not because there's some sort of Game Pass bump that they're conferring upon games. They are just doing a really good job of curating their service. Um, and uh, also, like I, I started to buy in a little more on their ecosystem strategy here, like, like. Uh, there's 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 some concerns I, i'm even starting to feel a little less concerned about like the the potentially deleterious effect of like a shift to subscription services on the industry like we we still have yet to really see some of the long term of that play out but um, i think we've seen the entirety of it play out if you look at streaming services like stadia well okay sure that's true <laughs> so the beginning middle and end of that one um but like i mean like you know the like what is what does it do to the incentives for like an indie developer that kind of thing um but like i'm i'm uh, in general more positive on not only like what kind of cool stuff i'm getting out of game pass but on game passes ecosystem and effect on the industry at, at large than i was a year ago um so like we're we're going to talk next week about Pentiment, which I'm playing right now. I know you guys are too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I'm, actually have not started it. <laughs> oh dang, you got to start it, dude! I'm really, really liking it. It's I don't want to spoil anything here, but like, it's it it's like lighting. Oh, I'm up like I'm like 75 percent sure I'm going to hate it. <laughs> Why? Okay, I, maybe we'll sidetrack that. We'll sidetrack that. But Shane, nah, dog, it's really good. You think um, that's my a, shit? I don't know. Do you like mysteries? Seems, do you seems do real you... wordy? <laughs> I mean, Shane don't like the words. Okay, Shane is an illiterate, but that's okay. It's a game about people who are mostly illiterate. So he's illiterate except when he loves IF Comp. So like right, Shane, yeah, come on. That's true. Come <laughs> on. But um, it's a uh, like 
one of the things that the developer of that said, like that's from Obsidian, they're like a storied developer of like CRPGs and stuff. And the developer, the, the like lead lead guy behind that game, they started that game after Game Pass acquired their studio. And he just sort of took the perspective of like, well, now that Microsoft owns us, um, I can just pitch whatever I want because the financial incentives like are totally different. It's, you know, it, it the, you know, it, it, he can make a niche game or at least he felt he could make a niche game for a niche audience because it was going to be on game pass and not, you know, he did not uh, look at it as like, now I have to make something for the game pass audience. That is going to be this like, you know, mass market thing. Uh, and he made the least mass market thing. You can imagine a, uh, a 2d uh, woodcut style medieval uh, murder mystery game. That is absolutely a banger so far. I'm really, really enjoying it. So, and, and even little aspects of the game pass story that I hadn't really interacted with previously have started hitting for me. This is the, I'm finally starting to play games using their cloud streaming. I've done that for a couple of games. Um, Pentiment is working really well there, but I've, I've, I've tried it for like tunic and other things like that. And their cloud streaming is starting to kind of work for me. I, yeah, ended up buying I, I have to say about this. Reason. So the, the thing that I think I have to point to for game pass is what it's doing for uh, getting players into the games it really mm-hmm. broadens that like reach for the games and i've seen this for i have played game pass games and then immediately gone and bought the same game on steam so that i can play it on my steam deck mm-hmm. I, I i think but you I, sample it mm-hmm. yeah i and i mean it's it's kind of the same thing as what as the game i mentioned uh, just just a minute ago unrailed like i played it for free because it had like a free weekend on steam and then i went and and paid 5 bucks for it like the i think and when you look at the actual catalog of what people are putting out onto game pass it's this big swath of indie developers and i i just i'm i'm pretty sure they're getting a lot more eyeballs by being on game pass. I mean, that said, there's a lot of criticism around like, maybe like, how does this actually shake out in the end? Once, you know, where does the money flow? Immortality. To? That's the other game I was trying to think of. Like, what was it that we loved this year? That yeah, launched the game, game pass? absolutely. Immortality. It was so easy for me to recommend game immortality to my, my friends that have game pass because they were able to just like click into it and see if it clicked for them. And it's, these really weird things like that, that I think actually really benefit and and might find an audience in ways they might not have uh, if they had the barrier to entry of like actually putting money on the barrel head. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, there's the concern that like, this is an entirely different business model and it puts a lot of power in Microsoft's hands. It puts a lot of the like metrics of like, what does success mean for a developer creating a game that launches on a service like this? There's there's a lot of people worried it might be creating a bubble. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of concerns there. Um, and we don't know the answers to all of those things, but hearing the the developer of Pentiment talking about his experience made me feel. Now this is there, he's a little bit different because he's literally working for a developer that was acquired by Microsoft, and his stuff was going to be released on Game Pass a hundred percent by default. There was no negotiation involved in terms of like, well, okay, well, how much money will Game Pass give me versus what will you know what money 
could, could I justify the development if I weren't on game pass, et cetera, you know, it was pretty much a done deal for him, but yeah, but overall it did make he, hearing his story made me feel a little less, um, nervous about its effect on the industry. Uh, and also it's not like having game pass game pass has been a big part of my year, but it hasn't been all of the games I've been playing. And, you know, it's not, you know, I, I, I still feel pretty, um, pretty uh pretty positive about the like you know steam is still doing great you know um other consoles are still getting doing just fine um so i don't know i i i hope i'm not proved wrong but this year has seen me be a lot less skeptical and a lot more enthusiastic both as a player and just sort of like as an as a admittedly not totally expert Mm -hmm. industry observer about game pass so i i think i am thankful for it to this year in a thanksgiving-y kind of way i I do want to revisit this in maybe like a year or two obviously we take a long-term approach here on the short Mm -hmm. game um but i mean i think about it and like game pass ultimately shakes out to be about like nine bucks a month isn't that right so we're Mm -hmm. talking like yeah i think you know know, it depends on whether you're doing regular game pass or game pass ultimate Mm -hmm. and there's ways to get various discounts i will i will remind uh remind people that there you can still if you're willing to sign up for a year or more in advance you can still totally get the deal where you buy um uh, uh xbox live gold cards yeah and uh cash those in and convert them to game pass for a very small amount of money and you get a huge discount i bought three years in advance and i think i I think three years cost me like a hundred bucks or something like it was some no it was more than that it was like 130 or 150 or something i forget i i don't remember don't quote me on the pricing but it was um it was like surprisingly like extremely cheap to buy three years in advance using that trick and you can still totally do that so what I think is ultimately going to shake out, I'll just put on my prognosticator's wizard hat for a second, is like the price of a AAA game has just kept going up. And mm-hmm. there a lot of them are going for like $70 now. So yeah, and even that like if uh, theoretically they they should cost more or at least the publishers would tell you that and I I'm, yeah. you know. So so wizard hat on uh like most gamers are really, you know, not necessarily like the three of us on this podcast they're probably buying a couple of games like that a year you know most likely and really playing the hell out of some of them especially you know if it's your your online multiplayer shooter that you're going to be spending you know your entire life in i think or, maybe, or they're playing zero of them and they're p- playing a hundred percent of you know Fortnite or something and they're spending mm-hmm. 70 dollars yeah. on skins to make you look like goku <laughs> so a lot of the, i mean a lot of the Game Pass just needs to like catch like one of those games out of people's budget in a given year in order to be a really good value proposition because like they cost a year of a year of it if you're doing it and you're not like trying to like flip different you know Bitcoin credits to like pay it off like three years in advance like Reagan is like the <laughs> mm-hmm. the you're you're spending like a hundred. Uh, and that's like feels really good to do if you're doing it monthly. So it's not a, any any big hit at any one time. Uh, but like if they can catch like one of those big AAA games out of people's budgets, I think it'll be a really sticky service for them. But then you end up with that person really locked in and paying every month. I remember what happened when I kind of s- quiet quit on my PS4, right? And I set mm-hmm. it aside. I, I hadn't turned mm-hmm. it on in months. And then I, I looked in my email and I realized I'd been buying um, 
PlayStation Plus Gold or whatever for probably like uh, six too. months to like maybe close to a year unused, right? So like that's the kind of <laughs> that's the that's the kind of thing that's gonna be funding the industry <laughs> going forward. And I am the third per type of person in the scenario where I am periodically like I just do a month and I do not auto renew. And I mm-hmm. and if I am surprised when it's off, I buy it immediately. And then the next time we play a game for the podcast, I renew for another month. And I am that like this does mean that I'm constantly buying Game Pass, but I've probably paid for six months this year and I have played so much Game Pass, guys. Like, but I have only paid probably for six months because I keep turning it on and off. Can I um, complain about modern life for one second? It. Modern yeah. life requires so much admin bookkeeping. It's a lot of bookkeeping. <laughs> the number, and like, like these days, if you want to watch, like if you want to keep up with the shows, like you have to be real quick on that unsubscribe button to like Paramount Plus and HBO and Disney Plus and like Warner Brothers Plus and I I don't know, like Super Sentai Plus, whatever it is what? that has that one thing that you need that it oh, I, I can't and stand girls it. by I, Beva is moving to netflix and i'm so excited because people are going to watch that show because i've been screaming about it and it's been stuck on peacock so. i didn't know that that's a great show yeah thank I'm, you for telling me that i'm looking forward to that because I, I didn't finish i think i watched most of the first season there's more seasons than that now right there are two nice girls five eva <laughs> <laughs> which you'll be, all be able to watch soon so um, never heard of it yeah because oh. it it's gonna get so popular when it's on netflix like it's gonna do like what happened when they got cobra kai from youtube and it showed up on netflix and suddenly everyone was like oh what is this show cobra kai like that's what happened when that moved to netflix and it's gonna happen to girls five ever and it couldn't happen to a better show it is sarah Bareilles on it writing songs like it's fantastic it's very funny it's very very funny um, let's see anything, uh, anything left that other, that we might be thankful for this year. I'm just going to do a, like, I'm very thankful, but I haven't fully enjoyed like all of the Kickstarters for puzzle boxes that I've done over the last three years that had pandemic shipping relays all seem to have arrived this year. <laughs> so I have this big box, like it, it is, it is beautiful. It is awesome. Um, every time I look at them, I'm like, this is such like a great six hour time sink, but like, I'm just trying to find the time for them. But um, post curious, the Emerald flame and their tarot card game, their tarot puzzle game called the light and the mist. It's like, it's a gorgeous tarot deck, but it's also like six hour puzzle thing. And it's a narrative. Like it's That's a cool idea. It's so cool. Like if um, I'm going to play test it. And if I like it, I'm going to probably harass everyone in the podcast into playing it because it's six to eight hours. And, and, but I need to make sure it's accessible first. But like this is me pre getting excited because the boxes are piling up and I'm like, these were all things that I really wanted like six months apart. <laughs> and now they're all here. So the winter is going to be terrible and long and cold. I will probably be playing these. So I am excited currently about mail. Like, game but i have physical games and i'm hopefully i'm not going to forget about them because they're just like 
there in my tiny apartment staring at me wanting me to play them. And it's not like a Steam queue where I can forget they exist. There is a box there that I want to play. That's I'm I'm looking forward to hearing more about those. That I, it's funny how like a lot of what we were talking about, mine and yours, were both like um, the the pandemic shipping queues are clearing up, and that's ultimately at the bottom of what I'm thankful for. <laughs> uh, like, and also that I am so happy for these creators because I'm finally getting to play their games. Mm-hmm. And they've been like they prototyped these years ago, and they're finally getting people's hands. Like that's got to feel great. Absolutely, absolutely. I'd love to see some pictures when you uh, crack some of those open. Yeah, and um, my copy of Amending, which is the keepsake um, embroidery game, where you're like doing a solo storytelling game where you're rolling dice and you're like creating a memento of your journey, has arrived too. So, like, there's a guy I follow on TikTok that is a like a puzzle box collector these are mm-hmm. not like the exact same thing you're talking about these are like you know the mechanical twisty mechanical twisty turny yeah. puzzle boxes you know and i have just been addicted to watching these guys these tiktoks he, this guy seems to have a bottomless collection of them and every time i see one i'm like oh my god i just have to have that i click through and it's like 450 dollars <laughs> <laughs> for like well, you know a, a piece of a piece of white oak that has been carefully handcrafted into something that you have to like wrap three times on and spin counterclockwise in order to pull a folded dollar bill out of or whatever you know it's uh but oof just puzzles puzzles man i mean well emerald mist i think i kickstarted it for 50 or 60 dollars it came with two refill packs so i can completely reset the game and send it to people oh okay um well, that's twice cool. Um, and you know, I've, packs I've seen sell these, like, for 15 game. bucks. So like I can just keep sending it to anybody. I've hmm. never heard of any of these things having a refill pack. That's cool. Yeah, that's um, Rita Orlov, the designer, is like insistent that the game should come like anything that you think you're going to destroy during the game or things people might want to write on. She'll give a second copy of it in a pack. And so she includes a copy in each game. So it's replayable at least once. And then for like 15 bucks, you can buy additional refill packs. So I could, in theory, send this to everybody on the podcast and just be like, buy a refill pack, play my $50 to $70 game. That's amazing. Which is awesome. I, I've just remembered something that I shared with I shared with Reagan on Twitter. Now I have to have to talk about it on the on the podcast. Um so there's in in the when I think puzzle boxes, I think Hellraiser. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh yep. you know the 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 cube that if you twist it and turn it just right, uh, Cenobites pop out configuration. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they, and they drag you into a universe of pain. Um, so there's a, there, <laughs> there's an Amazon listing that's basically for the box from Hellraiser, like as a, like an actual little puzzle, <laughs> but the people that put together the Amazon listing, like had never seen Hellraiser and like this and probably, probably don't have the trademark for this puzzle box or whatever, copyright or whatever. Um, and so it's the most generic, like, you know, those Photoshopped, uh, ad copy things where it's like, you know, a kid picking up and playing with X thing Photoshopped into their hands. Like it's that, but the Hellraiser cube. Uh, uh, I saw that too. And it was, it, it was like positioned as like a STEM toy or something. Yeah. Like. It, 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 it was it, like, it was like STEM toy educational <laughs> Hellraiser cube. Learn, learn about, learn everything you can about this universe of pain. I love it. Well, um, 
I think we're I think we're close to the end. Uh, this is uh, we're we're gonna fire this one off as quickly as I can, so that that our listeners have something to distract them uh, from their MAGA uncle or whatever uh, universe of pain their Thanksgiving might potentially become. I'll personally say I'm really look. I you know I didn't I didn't mention this at the top, and now I should. I'm I'm personally thankful that I I ordered and was able to receive. Uh, the Baskin Robbins turkey cake. It's an ice cream cake that's shaped like a turkey. Oh, wow. The uh, the legs are uh, it's all it's all iced with like icing, so it looks like a shiny like a shiny turkey on the outside. But the the legs are ice cream cones with with ice cream in them, uh, covered in uh, in frosting, I guess. And inside, it's it's cake, and uh, they have a video online of how you're supposed to carve the turkey cake and they're basically like just carve it like a regular turkey and oh like, like a- yeah yeah into little slices and i'm really really looking forward to doing that um so <laughs> that sounds great this this that's that's what's uh, another thing that's that uh, i'm thankful for this thanksgiving but uh listeners why don't you tell us what you're thankful for in gaming this year uh anything at all we'd love to hear about it we've got a what's making us happy channel on our discord that is a great place to drop that kind of thing um and uh so i'll i'll close the show with a thank you to the listeners thank you for joining us on this episode of the short game thank you for supporting the show on patreon we are very thankful for you and thankful for our uh all of our listeners and especially our patreon supporters if you'd like to join their ranks you can go to patreon.com slash the short game where uh you can even just a dollar a month will get you access to our discord uh you get access to a uh, a patreon feed for episodes where you get things a little bit early um and uh you get a warm fuzzy feeling knowing that you are supporting the show and it does make a big difference to us uh you can also support us at the five dollar level even just for just a little while and i will send you some stickers if you want some stickers send us five dollars um and let's see you can find me on you should find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net you can find uh our uh, we're also our show is still on twitter at underscore short game uh, you can find me still kind of on twitter at reagan k i've also moved uh to mastodon or you can find me at reagan at bird.rodeo uh so i've i've recently moved to my own instance, the bird.rodeo domain that I bought for Bird Week stuff ages ago is finally uh, finally useful to me in some way. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? For now, you can find me on Twitter still, at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? Well, first off, just don't find me, but uh, I'm also <laughs> on Twitter at 8BizShane. And listeners, thank you once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.